Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is Thursday, the 6th of February, 2020. 2020. I'm Mike A. Race in the studio here with uh, Jacob Myers and, of course, the Podfather. We're at the Podfather, too. Patrick Flaherty, who's uh, gearing up for Lent. Well, we had some news break this morning. It's one of those stories where you go like, oh, that's interesting, but it's it's not one that'll blow you away. It'll only impact the league for the next five years. And that is a new collective bargaining agreement has been struck between Major League Soccer and the Major League Soccer Players Association. And this is a big deal for many reasons. Among them, I was one of those who thought that this was going to be a very difficult and divisive negotiation because... The league is expanding. It's making money off its Ponzi scheme. And the Players Association has been gaining power at a steady pace since it was formed. And uh, much of the formation germinated right here in Columbus, Ohio. In any case, here is Jacob Myers. Jacob, say hello to the folks out there. Hello. That's very nice. And do you have a, a summation, a recap of what this deal entails? Sure. Uh, this was kind of done as I was going out the door uh, to a different assignment, so I didn't have a ton of time to parse this stuff. Are, but you, are you whining now and making excuses? Absolutely not. I would never do such a thing. Because, I mean, if we need that, we can just get Kyle on the phone. Kyle Robertson is out of state on assignment, so he's not with us today. Uh, forgive me for interrupting, Jacob, and please continue. So the deal was extended a week. Uh, it expired January 31st and was going to have to be extended What tomorrow being the 7th, I believe. Yes, February 7th. Uh, they got the deal done today, five years. So the tricky part of this CBA is the media rights deal was going to come into play in, in the heart of it if they were to do another five-year deal like they did in 2015. So that was what was struck this time around. So I'll go through 2024, the new CBA. And I mean, the players got some good concessions here. It, it seems like the MLS is making an increased investment in player spending. This is just some bullet points here. A greater salary, budget flexibility for teams. The players also get a chunk of the media revenue, which um, is the first time ever for, for MLS. Charter flights are increasing. So there's some there's an important revenue sharing component. Yeah, absolutely. I think above anything, and I wrote about this when I spoke to John Kemp and the crew's rep on the bargaining committee, and certainly has been echoed by all of the players who have spoken publicly that were involved in these negotiations, is they were more concerned with player flexibility, with free agency, which is another thing that changed. It used to be you had to be either 28 years old or eight years of playing time in the league. Now it's down to 24 years old or five years of playing time. So there's greater player movement with free agency there. They were always more concerned with getting players paid what they are worth in their mind or just giving more freedom to the players and clubs generally to being able to spend how the clubs want and the players to move where they want to go. So there's that component in there. It sounds to me as if heading into the next round of negotiations for media rights, RE television and of course, nowadays it's shouldered with streaming and all kinds of other stuff. That labor piece was an important bargaining chip for the league as they entered those negotiations two years down the road. Yeah, I think it was, from a player's perspective, it was always tricky because you have to basically predict what the league is going to try to do, and, and that's just kind of a fool's errand on its face. So I think to get any chunk of that media... Revenue moving forward for the players is definitely a positive. The The other component that I found interesting just in terms of 
how they do the roster is that third designated player spot, the league can kind of control that a bit by basically controlling how much that third designated player makes unless that player is below 23 years of age. There was reporting in The Athletic that they were looking at trying to influence clubs to go after designated players who were younger and then you know, turn a profit on those players by sending them to a better league in Europe and get money and then reinvest in younger players. The league was trying to look for some incentive to do that, and it, it looks like they somewhat found it. So if you have a DP in that third spot below 23 years of age, so like Milton Valenzuela, for example, you can pay that player whatever. If the player is above that, the league can kind of control how much. So this just went down this morning. It was announced as agreed upon. They had a pretty tight lid on it, too. It weren't a lot of leaks. So this just went down this morning. Jacob, has there been time for any sort of reaction from either side or both? I have not gotten any. I was running around. Dude. No, I know. Just generally speaking. I mean, was... This, yeah, I have a few pulled up here. Did, did the soccer Don say anything? Yeah, I was going to ask if you wanted me to actually read his, his statement. No. It's in front of me. I might as well do it. <laughs> no, just say, is he happy with it? It seems... He's not going to say he doesn't like it. Either. Right. And so we don't need to hear what he's... We can parse together bits of 300 previous conversations and come up with the same paragraphs. Sure. I'll read from uh, Alejandro Bedoya, who's on the player side. There you go. That, to me, is interesting. He said, it's been a long journey and could always be better. However, this deal has made significant gains for players and represents a meaningful step forward for growth of soccer in North America. A lot of work put into this from those involved. Now let's get back to business and just play. And I think... As this sport does grow, and it's undeniable that it is growing and the MLS is getting more money, a work stoppage would, I think, be catastrophic, honestly. Yeah, which was exactly my point. If you have a CBA in place um, that that spans the negotiations and, and the implementation of the next media contract, the next television contract, you're in a better position to bargain for that, to negotiate that contract with the networks. Absolutely. Because they don't want to buy a labor war. Oh, yeah. That's not good TV, generally speaking. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we're less than a month before the actual opening of the season and two weeks before um, CONCACAF Champions League and all that. But, I mean, to get this done this early, I I was a bit surprised. As was I. They only extended it a week, and the deadline was coming up on the 7th, which we're recording this on the 6th. So I expected they would extend it again, and then maybe you would hear some more rumblings of what was going on. But, you know, to get it done this early, I think, is exceeding expectations in terms of the relationship between the owners and the players throughout this process. And you'll have more on this in the days ahead, both in the big picture and local reaction. And we'll have more stuff at Dispatch.com. I think something's posted, generally speaking, in the big picture already at Dispatch.com. So check it out. Check out at Jacob underscore Myers underscore 25. I changed my Twitter username. Oh, thank God. One underscore this time. It's underscore JC Myers. Is that easy? J-C-M-Y-E-R-S. Patrick, you like that? He says it's better. I did just for you, Mike. I withhold judgment. So a couple things I just want to throw out there with the CBA. The salary cap is going up from about $8.5 million in terms of spending power from these teams to $11.6 million by 2024. It's increasing by over $100,000. Or, or Sorry, that's the senior roster players. I'm just kind of reading this off the page now, but it's going up over time. It'll get to almost $12 million by 2024, right. which is very significant. It is, and that's on a, what you could call a soft cap, given the way the DP system works. Right, and they're changing. The league would give $1.2 million in 
targeted allocation money, garbage bucks, you can say. I don't know. That's now becoming Here comes the allocation. general allocation money. And oh, they can, geez. all you really have to know is they can oh. put it to any player on the roster at all, which would get players like a Will Trap, for example, kind of American players who might be worth a little more than what they were paid. You can apply general allocation money to them so they incur less on the budget. Well, you and, and many, many crew fans out there, many astute crew fans and and that would be the vast majority of them, as I pander, to understand the allocation process. And I'll leave it to you guys. You know, good job. Anyway, next bit of big news, and this was just a few days ago. Will Trapp was traded to the Inter-Miami, what is it? What's their C? Their CF, CF, I believe. Yeah. I just say Inter-Miami. Well, the CF. He's traded to the Inter-Miami, the CF. And he uh, flew to join his new club, a day in after trade. When was that trade, Jacob? That was that trade was Friday, so Friday, about yeah. a week already. Yeah, so just about a week. And I spoke with him Saturday. You, I believe. You, you spoke with him before I did. I think there were rumblings early Friday morning. The team didn't know they were trading him as of eleven thirty or nine thirty in the morning, something like that. And then they knew they were trading him about an hour or so later. The way the way the timeline works, and he was traded. And we should talk about this. This is the captain of the of the team. This is a homegrown product. One of the best homegrown products, probably top ten homegrowns, maybe top dozen that the league has produced, and a beloved figure here for his leadership throughout 2017 and 18. Is he on the crew, Mount Rushmore? I don't know. We'll let uh, we'll let the uh, stonemasons figure that one out. Your feeling about the trade? What did the crew get for him? They got a hundred thousand dollars in general allocation money. Could be another two hundred more. Some of that depends on if he resigns with Miami which I think was a contingent, we'll get to this, about the Vancouver deal. I think they wanted him to re-sign ahead of time. But, and, and then the crew also got an international roster spot. So the roster spot is worth X right now. So the total package was about $250,000 if you want to thumbnail it. Yeah, that would be correct, yeah. It's not a lot for a player of his caliber in the prime of his career at age 27, but it was obvious, Jacob, that Coach Caleb Porter wanted to go another way with his holding midfielder. Yeah, I, I think that's true. As a matter of fact, he went and acquired a different type of midfielder to, to with fill that, that role. Nagby. Yeah. Yeah, play at the eight, whereas Will would, essentially, Will and Artur would be competing for the six. six yeah. Will is in a contract year, still wants to go to Europe. I think he always wanted to be in a spot where he for sure would get playing time, especially if he's going to still be a guy really in the heart of the picture of the U.S. men's national team. You want him to be informed for that stuff. But if you're Will with European aspirations, trying to encourage some of those teams to take a flyer on him, yeah, I think you want to be in a spot where you're not competing for playing time as much and you know you're going to play every day. Now, we were kind of going back and forth on this and talking to a lot of people close to the team, close to the player, just figuring out who requested what. Did Will request to be traded? Did the team just kind of go the other way? Essentially, what we figured out is I think both saw this move as an opportunity for for both the club and Will, an opportunity for himself and to start anew somewhere after seven seasons in Columbus. What Tim Bezbachenko said on record to us is, we always thought and talked about Will possibly moving abroad. They explored various opportunities. As time went on, it became evident that maybe a move internally within the league is going to become more of a possibility. This wasn't done without the player's knowledge and approval. And you spoke to Will, and you can say what he kind of said. He said inevitable was a good way to put it. 
given this coach this system. And he didn't see growth. And this player, yeah. No longer in Columbus. He didn't see his career growing anymore in Columbus, given the coach and given the system. Yeah. and uh, K- Those K- are my words, given the coach and given the system. That's obviously inferred to me. And Caleb Porter got on a teleconference <laughs> a few days ago for the um, first time this offseason with media, not in preseason with the team. And first question I asked was about Will Trapp. And he basically said in the end there was an option, obviously with Miami. We presented it to Will, had a discussion, and became a mutual decision for him to go there. They ended on good terms. He talked about basically making sure everyone had their attention on Will and Will had the final word and just to say how thankful he was to be with the team and, and depart from them. So he's a classy guy and he wasn't going to he wasn't going to leave on poor terms. Yeah, absolutely. He's a he's, pro. He's a pro and he's he's a classy guy and he's a son of Columbus and Gehanna. He's a what he did for this team when uh, he took the armband, at one point he was the youngest captain ever in the league. That that was I'm not, and I'm not sure that's the case when he took it permanently after Parkhurst left, but there was a time when he filled in as captain at age 21 and the youngest person in the league ever to wear the armband. Yeah, and Iguain kind of allowed him to do that as yep, well. Yeah, um, and they well, they they parted ways with Pipa as well. Well, that was exactly what I was going to go into. Someone then followed up with Porter asking about kind of you know, these are two players, Iguain and Trav, that are beloved by the fan base and they're gone now. And Porter, I think was, he was knowledgeable about what that might do to the fan base and, and stuff but he said basically look I'm not here to replace or erase anything I'm here to leave a legacy build a club and do what's best for the club and to win a trophy yeah it's his team now yeah it is and for him to take control of it not that he didn't have control of it before for there to erase any doubt you know you take the spiritual leader and the captain out of the picture you now have more control of the team not to say they're not upgraded or better they spent more money this year in uh, transfer fees than in the entire five-year run of, of Greg Berhalter. So the owners are serious. It appears that they're bringing in good talent. They've remade the roster. It's They could be a dark horse to win the whole thing. And we know Iguain wanted to stay here. Um, yes. Trap seemed fine with moving on, and I've watched some of his interviews in Miami. seems genuinely happy there. But, I mean, with Iguain at, you know, the knee injury, what his age, it's you can understand frustration. I think Porter was sympathetic to that, truly, that he understood some of it. But, you know, think about what you want. They also you know, got players and, and should be a good team this year. Sure. I had a good talk with Will and he sort of went down memory lane and got very emotional about uh, what those seasons, when the very fate of the team was hanging in the balance, what they meant to them and what the connection with the fans meant. And it was very genuine, very real. And of course, anyone who knows Trap wouldn't doubt that one bit. So he's got a, he's got a baby kid and a wife and he's, he's going to, you know, maybe he can move in with Bobrovsky. And, you know, get a cheap rent with Bob, you know, because Bob can afford it. What were some of your uh, memories of Trap here? And, I mean, obviously that 2015 season, he really took a turn. The armband thing really is a super neat story. And, and, uh, you know. um, He fished it out of the the, the clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) to show it to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He pulled it out of the dirty laundry. Now we're joined by William Hesmer, the fine goalkeeper for the crew, a member of their championship team in, in 2008. And then moved on. Jeez, William. What was your salary when you decided to call it a career because you could make more money elsewhere? Oh, man. You weren't making Zella Ryan money, huh? (laughs) No, my salary wasn't terrible. It was nothing to sneeze at when I retired. I think it was 180000 But when you started? When I started, I think it was $7,850 with no benefits, no health care, nothing. And this is why we have a Players Association. 
or why you have a players association. That's right. And, That's right. And he, uh, we've come a long way. And here in Columbus, you and Brian Carroll were in the forefront of that movement as it just got off the ground, or as it was getting off the ground. Yeah, that's right. Um, Brian and I were were highly involved in the early days in the formation of the MLSPA or the MLSPU as it was back then. Was loosely involved in the in the first collective bargaining agreement in 2005 while I was in Kansas City, but highly involved in the 2010 process. And then after 2010, was on the executive board uh, going forward and helping those guys get uh, get the proper pieces put together for the foundation of what what they've been able to build on today. Well. They should bless their lucky stars that there were people like you at the beginning to get this thing going, especially when you look at, and I know you haven't seen much of this deal, especially when you look at what this CBA that was officially announced today, the next five years look like. What are your impressions? I'm excited. I mean, you know, there's there's a tinge of you that wishes you could go back and play under this era and earn what these guys could earn, but truthfully and candidly, I, I'm this is why we played. We didn't play for the money. We played because we believed in this league. We believed in the sport and as, you know, adversarial as it got from time to time with the league office and the ownership. We were, we were on their side and helping them to partner with it. We just wanted mildly better rights. We wanted a 401k. We wanted healthcare. We wanted direct deposit. We wanted basic living standards. And now to see where the league has been able to go with us working with them and letting them put the training wheels on and now I think the training wheels are fully off and you've got some some big boy money in this league where it looks like uh, they're taking this thing to where I think it could go. Now tell us what you're doing with it with with yourself and as you have been for years full time uh, because you knew that uh, Will has skills folks and uh, not just uh, in in the box as it were. Tell us what you're doing now what you have been doing and tell folks about you're still affiliated if loosely with the Players Association, are you not? Right. So just loosely, not not in a formal capacity, but yeah, in in 2010 when I when I realized my my pipe dream of making a World Cup roster evaporated, I went and worked for an investment firm in Columbus, Ohio, Boudreaux, Rulin and Rose, and those guys were incredible to me from day one as a 30-year-old intern sitting next to the 18-year-old <laughs> Ohio State freshman. They took me under their wing. They didn't treat me any different. They put me they put me through the ringer, and I learned a ton. And so when my time came to an end at the end of 2012, um, I moved back to North Carolina and I started my own investment firm, uh, Financial Planning Shop, and with a big passion being to help athletes. Uh, We all know the story of the financial troubles athletes have historically had. And also a big part of my participation in the Players Association was, hey, we've, we've seen how other athletes have managed their money. Let's get ahead of that. Let's be incredibly focused on financial literacy and so even as a player that was that was my baby that was my passion and so brian carroll and i now have a formal business where we're helping athletes have almost a hundred players and coaches you know current and former through major league soccer and that's as much of a of a passion play as it we believe it's a good long-term business move so that's what that's what we're doing now and having a ton of fun with it now what just happened there weather-wise in north carolina well, apparently we just got hit with some tornadoes or supercells. When I was on the phone with you previously, we... Uh, it's probably Gar- Garber it. probably did it. <laughs> I, I think I'm off his radar. It's now. a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> but anyway, please, is everything all right, Will? Yeah, I think we're good. I just pulled into my house. We got power lines and trees down, but um, you know, no power here. But uh, uh, fingers crossed that this is the worst of it behind us. I don't know where this is coming from. 
naturally I've got I've got my head in other things all all during the day, so don't uh don't really know what's going on here weather wise. I do know that they canceled school at two o'clock. So uh it's a little bit a little bit chaos around here, but I, I hope we'll be fine. Now, when's the last time you were here in Columbus? Was it the the reunion? No, I was. Um, I married uh, an Ohio girl. Oh, uh, her her family's all in a, in Columbus, so we were there all over Thanksgiving. Um, and so, yeah, I was up there. Um, took the boys to the uh, the Friday night after Thanksgiving. Took the boys uh, to uh, Blue Jackets Penguins game. Um, and now, when I take them to the Hurricanes games, I have to tell them no, it's not Go Jackets, it's Go Cane. But uh, oh, they're no. slowly getting there. No, well, <laughs> well, they stole a team. Bunch of jerks. I mean, you as a former crew uh, member, especially after being uh, at least a, a big fan of and uh, emotionally plugged into the Save the Crew movement, should know you shouldn't be rooting for a hockey team that was uprooted from its from its home base. Uh, I know it pains me. It, it pains me hard. I, I completely agree with you. A bunch of jerks. We're not fully bought in, but uh, we're getting there. Uh, well, let me let me ask you about that real quick uh, about the save the crew. When when that was finally settled, what went on among crew alumni, and what were your feelings? Initially, I was very torn. Honestly, we always knew it was a threat. It had been talked about for years. Uh, I we even had. Clark Hunt come directly into our locker room and Obet and say, you know, there's a possibility we're going to sell the team. We're exploring it. We're not talking about it publicly. I was part of the Kansas City team when Lamar came into our locker room and told us the same thing. Um, and you just believed, you know, hey, these these guys are smart business people. They've, they're much more intelligent than I am. Uh, you know, I passionately believe in the Kansas City market. I passionately believe in the Columbus market. We saw the growth of the Nordeca. We saw when some of the right buttons were pushed and you did the right things to make the fan experience and the product on the field right, uh, people would come. People would support. You would build relevancy. And so there's that part of you that says, okay, uh, Anthony Precourt is a smart businessman. He, he, he must have tried to do all these things. And as much as I hate it, this is just the the ugly part of the sports world that we have to swallow but then you start talking about uh you know to all the people local uh in columbus and all the people that i had had the privilege to develop good relationships with both uh with my time with the crew as well as with my time with the investment firm where you know we're you know managing money for a lot of the big big players in the state of ohio and I go to them and I say, is this real? Can we really not support them? And they would say, you know what? I love the crew. Our family loves the crew. Can you believe that we've never been approached to buy a box or sponsor the team or be involved in any capacity to help them? Can you believe that they've never won? And you hear that story and then it gets repeated over and over and over again. And you can't help but think, did he ever really try? Was there ever really a motive and an attempt to make Columbus and the crew work in, in the city? And my reaction from a lot of those conversations was no. And so obviously when uh, Dr. Pete and the Haslam family stepped up and I'd had some some small conversations with Dr. Pete prior and knew this might have been a possibility confidentially. Needless to say, we were all ecstatic. Well, Will, going kind of back to the CBA, just in general, I know you haven't parsed every little detail, but the floor is going up for the minimum players will be paid to, I believe it's going to get to over 100 k and then 
the salary cap is moving up to almost $12 million. I mean, just speak generally to why you believe that is such a plus for both the league and the players. Well, naturally, I think MLS is trying to compete globally on the world market. And in order to do that, in order to get the talent to be a, a top five league, uh, as is their aspiration, you've got to pay. That's the cost of doing business. So I think that organically, you know, whether it's through CBA negotiation or just the league naturally having to move that way, they've got to move to more player spend. I think the important part is the player movement, having less restrictions on the salary mechanisms, if you will, getting rid of some of the TAM game, just the nonsense, and really the league trusting its technical directors and general managers to build out their rosters how they see fit under a cap without various mechanisms. I think that's a huge plus. And also for the ability of players to move. Um, you know, if you've got so many years of service and you're at a certain age, the ability to uncap to hopefully, I haven't read the details on this, move to a team that you think gives you the better opportunity to, to win or develop as a player, not just and where I think the league misunderstood us for a while is they thought it was mostly about a chase for money. Well, I can leverage club against club, and very rarely is that a case for a player where the decision was about money solely. certainly helps, um, but I think that is an enormous step for the growth of the league, of, of, of more player movement and player choice, because it's going to make each club perform that much better on the non-equals, if you will, after the cap. Okay, who's going to offer a better uh, nutritional environment, a better sports science environment? What club is going to do all the right things off the field that's going to attract? And that's only going to make every club elevate to a certain standard, at least I hope. And, you know, this deal is getting done three, almost four weeks before the start of the season. Did you expect it to get done this early? I think a lot of people, you know, at the outset were thinking work stoppage. No, I knew they were possibly close at the end of last year to going ahead and getting something done, and then they couldn't before all the reentry draft nonsense and expansionary process starts and teams are picking up options or not, so they had to punt it into this year. I know that the discussions have been much more friendly Let's say I think that my opinion from, uh, and I don't know what the guys in the process would say this right now, but it's less adversarial. I think the league office, um, from my understanding, probably views the MLSPA more as a true partner in this. Hey, listen, we're a true partner in this. We're not trying to bankrupt your owners. We're not trying to sink this league and, and, and shelve any teams. We, we want to grow this thing imprudently with you. We just want it fairly and rightfully done. And by the way, we think we also have some good ideas that would help us grow to be a top five league. And, you know, whether it was our fault and how we positioned that early on or whoever's fault, I don't know. But that adversarial tone, I think, went away in this negotiation. There was, it was much more collaborative. Um, you know, as always, as you get the sticky points, I think they got the sticky points in this cycle um, that you wondered, all right, are they really going to get a deal done? My gut was that it was always going to be a last-hour deal. That's just the nature of how these things have always worked. We get holed up in a arbitrator's, a federal arbitrator's office in some rundown federal government building in D.C. You know, 36 hours later, everybody's beat up and saying, all right, let's go. Um, good is good. So I'm happy it didn't come to that. Well, it seems to me, and I've already thrown this out there, but it, it seems to me it behooves both sides to get it done, given that they're heading into a negotiation over television rights within the next couple of years. You know, it's, Bingo. And then, a, and then a, world, a looming World Cup as well. Exactly. Yeah. 
All right, Will, we've taken enough of your precious time. Your roof is still on your house? We're still here. I see my, I see my kids running out the door yelling at me to come in. So, all right, the kids uh, are still no, there. Just, That's all, good. All seems good. All right, man. Hey, thanks very much for your time. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Have a good one. Hope to see you all soon. Will Hesmer, ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful goalkeeper on that very special team in 2008, MLS Cup champions um, and uh, supporter shield champions. And, Jacob, you can relate to that being the shield yourself. Still working on it. So moving right along, there was an, another uh, player transaction as well, Jacob. Yeah, they signed Derek Etienne Jr. from the New York Red Bulls. You know, last year, he didn't play as much as the year before when he hit, scored five goals off the bench and. Uh, playing in 30 games was a big part of that Red Bull squad actually that won a shield I'm still searching for mine or, or have I got my shield no you were born with it I was born with it the shield the shield but they completed their depth that winger I think that was important and he's a guy that is making about the um, senior player minimum so you know a good cap hit are you out with your prediction yet that the crew is going to win the Shield this year, too? No, I'm staying far away from predictions this year. Yeah, we'll be asking you about that every 20 minutes, or at least every week on this program. Um, how's the team doing, Jacob? I think we should cover that uh, as we as we wind this program down. Um, uh, and, I don't know, let's talk about the new kit some other time. It's, it's, you know, they have a new checker on their black jerseys. A little more gray with a black jersey and yeah. some stripes. That's fine. Um also, uh, you know, we should mention that uh, uh, last week, uh, as we recorded this, uh, it was uh, in the wake of a column I wrote about them considering um, uh, a major rebranding to inc- uh, discussions, perhaps even going as far as uh, uh, Colors logo and, and uh, Crest. And uh, within 12 hours, of the team came out and said that uh, officially um, – uh, they weren't going to change the colors. And then 12 hours after that, uh, they said uh, they were not going to change the name of the team. So uh, within 24 hours, they cleared some things up that, that were very cloudy. So, you know, good on them for doing that. Um, of course, that leaves the logo. I think uh, we can uh, infer that uh, they're, they're going to mess around with the crust and, you know, such as they're right. I think I think keeping the colors in the name was a smart thing to do. Um, so that was just a follow-up because we should cover that area, and then we'll talk about the kit some other time. Uh, Jacob can take uh, fake questions from fans uh, on that on the Twitter. Um, but let's end with the preseason update. We should talk about the team a little bit more other than the trade and the acquisition. Um, Jacob, where do they stand in their, in their uh, preseason training? Where exactly are they right now? How many, how many exhibitions have they played, and, and what's coming up next? So they played three exhibitions, uh, won all of them. Etienne scored twice in those, so I think you know as a he was a trialist in camp and proved enough. I think they were always going to sign him, but proved enough to be signed to the squad. Uh, Fernando Adi, a guy that I think we touched on last program that was signed, brought after a really a hectic 2019 season, just awful. I think is the best way to describe it. Would publicly criticize the GM and the coach. You can't say awful in Columbus. It gets well, A W F U L. All right, we find yeah. another word. Your word, Smith. Bad. <laughs> That's fine. He, I think he is looking for an opportunity to just totally put that behind him, and certainly rejoining a guy who he knows in Caleb Porter he might be the right place for him. But but I asked Caleb Porter if he had paused signing Audi after last season, giving that Audi was you know charged with it operating vehicle uh, while impaired and, and 
a myriad of other things. And he said he, he did have some pause, but had a conversation with Adi and decided that he was mentally ready to put last year behind him and focus on this year. So uh, you can read that story um, online at dispatch.com. And, you know, he's a number two striker that is going to play behind Jossie. And if they can get a few goals out of him for the 200000 or so he's on the budget for compared to his almost $2 million salary, that's not a bad uh, deal for the crew. So I think you're saying shield there. Not quite, no. That's Jacob Myers, now known as uh, on, on Twitter. His new handle is at JC Myers. Is that correct? Underscore JC Myers. So I, I still have one Wait. underscore. Underscore J-C-M-Y-E-R-S. What, what's with the under? Can't you lose the underscores? I try. I plugged oh. it into a generator. I, I had to put an underscore somewhere. So Too that, many Jacob Myers. That's Jacob Myers. And for Kyle Robertson at K-Rob Photo, no underscores whatsoever. Kyle will probably be back with us next week. Got uh, one wait, more thing. We do? Yeah. The the morning before tra- we found out Trap was traded, uh, Tim Bezbachenko confirmed that they're looking to have a reserve squad for the 2021 season. That was on Dispatch.com. It was on Dispatch.com, yeah. And I think, as I had heard, they're building the training facility at the Moffray Stadium site in mind that they will have a reserve team there too. So if it's not 2021, it looks to be 2022. And they said they're not totally set on it being in Columbus, but I am pretty overwhelmingly confident it'll be in Columbus and not Cleveland or elsewhere. Well, I think it, if their plans for the redevelopment of, of the Moffray Stadium site actually are fulfilled, if they're going to build something that they've plotted out, plan to build, it would seem to me that the would be a perfect place for, for a minor league team. Yeah, and I think they'll play at Moffrey Stadium too and just chop off the upper deck. Yeah, and that's uh, Patrick Flaherty down there at the Podfather too. Um, Michael A. Race. This is a lot of fun, this program. I usually don't have any fun at all here, but talking to Will Hesmer, that was that was fun. And good show. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, so for all of these guys, Patrick, kick us out of here. <laughs> <laughs>